So I heard that last Sunday, Pastor Mike was up here and he was uh, teaching about passage in the book of Thessalonians. And one of the things he addressed was the idea of the uh, holy kiss. So I don't know if you remember or not, I thought that it may be beneficial for me to demonstrate once again what a holy kiss looked like. So where's Jenny at? Jenny! Just, just kidding. <laughs> I would never do that. Anyways, you know, today I have the privilege of being here today uh, uh, preaching with you guys. And, you know, it's always an honor and, a, and, and an enjoyment for me to be able to come here and share the word of God with you guys. If one thing we, all, we could all agree with is that as humans, we're not perfect. One example of that is that we can easily forget things. Things that are important to us like our spouse's birthday or our wedding anniversary or our parents' you know, birthday or even an upcoming exam or test or an important meeting, we can forget those things, right? I'm guilty of that. In fact, I remember when I was in college, college overseas, not overseas, I was in college in Jacksonville, and uh, Jenny and I were doing long-distance relationship. We've been doing this for about eight months. And, you know, like if you're, if you're whoever has done long-distance, just curious. All right, some of you, all right. So if you've done long distance, you know that you talk to people as if you have a girlfriend, but no one believes you because they're like, yeah, I don't see her here. You can show them pictures, but they don't really buy into that. So that's kind of how I felt. And so when I heard that she was coming to visit, I was so excited to finally show everybody I had a girlfriend, that I was true, that it was, it was true. So then the day came for her to show up. I'm getting ready. I told my friends, hey, my girlfriend is coming today. I'm going to show you where you guys are going to be. I'm going meet, to meet up with you guys. So then Jenny comes up, and I grab her by the, my arm. I was not walking her like she was a trophy, even though I felt like it, right? So I'm walking her around, like, looking, where are my friends at? I'm going to introduce her. And then, boom, I see all my friends just gather in a circle. And I go to them, and I said to them, hey, guys, this is my girlfriend, Jessica. <laughs> Nailed it, right? Good job right there. Now, my, my girlfriend's name, or my wife's name now, is Jennifer. But I introduced her as Jessica. And, you know, it was one of the most awkward things I have ever endured because we're all, like, looking at each other. It's like, what just happened? They knew her name was Jennifer, but yet I introduced her as a Jessica. There was a friend of mine. Her name was Jessica. So it's like, what is happening here, right? So it was very awkward. But luckily, technology has advanced, and now we have access to things to help us remember things. Like we can say, hey, Siri, set up a reminder that when my girlfriend comes to visit, her name is Jennifer, not Jessica, right? Or, hey, Alexa, uh, remind me to pick up my kids at 3, not at 5, like I did the week before, right? Technology is awesome because it helps us to remember things. Well, in the passage of today, we're going to be looking at the church in Corinth, the believers in Corinth. Now, they were in need of some good reminders, this church in Corinth is not like the church that we've been addressing in the past weeks when we've been studying the book of Thessalonica, in the, uh, the book of Thessalonia. The church in Thessalonica was known for turning the world upside down. The church in Corinth wasn't, did not have that much of a reputation. There were a church that were struggling with sexual impurity. There were a church that were struggling with abuse of power within the leadership of the church. There were a church that was bombarded by the culture that led many to believe that the message of the gospel was not truth. Or that they or, or would put it into question. 
Today, like I said earlier, we're celebrating Palm Sunday, and it is the event of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he did not come to Jerusalem like many thought he would, with a cavalry and an army charging to take on the Roman Empire. Instead, he came as a servant, riding on a donkey, and through that journey, we will see how for the remainder of the week, it will lead all the way to the cross, and then him raising from the dead. That is the message or that is the story that we're going to be, the events that we're going to be celebrating this week. But today we're going to see that Paul, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he's going to give them a very needed reminder. And I believe that the reminder that he's given to them is a reminder that many of us, if not all of us, desperately need. So, like I said, 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Now I will remind you, brothers... Of the gospel I, pre- I preach to you, which you receive, in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you as first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelfth. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last, to all of, a, last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then, I, it, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Like I said, this is a church that is in need reminded of the gospel of Jesus. Paul has addressed in the few in the verses on the chapters before chapter 15 some of the issues that they were dealing with sexual impurity, abuse of uh, gift, abuse of leadership, people being persuaded to worship God the way that the culture around them were worshiping God. And so Paul is doing recognize that they are in need reminder of the gospel of Jesus. And that is what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be doing, looking at reminders that we need to consider when we look at the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is this. If you don't know what it is, the message of gospel is this. It's that you and I are sinners. We are in a desperate need of a Savior. There is nothing that we can do on our own that can grant us the merit of salvation. But praise to God that he provided his son, Jesus, to die on our place as a way of providing salvations to you and me. Through the sacrifice on the cross and that he rose from the dead three days later, we're now able to have forgiveness of sin and abundance of life. That is the message of the gospel. Now, Paul, when he looks at them in the first two verses, the very first thing he's going to remind them is that the, the, the gospel of Jesus is the source of our salvation. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive. 
Paul, Paul is saying to them, hey, I want to bring to your attention this message of the gospel, the one I just explained, that I preached to you the moment I came across to you. I want you guys to remember this message, he says, and that the, the, he says, I preach to you which you receive and in which you're standing. The message that some of you, or if not all of you, have believed, he's saying. And then look what he says in verse 2. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. When I was reading and preparing for this message, the word that stood out to me was the word that Paul uses here when he says, the gospel by, we, by which you're being saved. Paul doesn't say today in the gospel of Jesus that you were saved or that you were or you will be saved. He uses a present tense to say to them, the gospel of Jesus is present to you today. The, th- the reality is that as believers, we can often neglect the message of the gospel. We look at it as if it was something of the past. We look at how one, there was a day in our life when we first trust in this message and we look at that as something that took place in the past, how God once died for our sin, how once he provided a way for salvation, or how once he provided a way for us to experience uh, abundance of life. But we rarely will look at it as something in the present. As how God, the gospel of Jesus, is something that provides for us forgiveness of sins and abundance of life, of life in the present. When God died for us, when God sent his son to die on the cross, he not only died for us for a press, for a past stance, for a, he, or for a future stand, he also died for a present stand. And the blessings and the enjoyments that come from our relationship with Jesus are being, pre, are being offered to us in the present. So what does that mean? For a church like them that were struggling, that were caught up with sexual, uh, uh, sexual desires, that they were being persuaded to worship God in their own way, they needed a really good reminder that the message of gospel that says to them that you're no longer bound to sin is a message that they, they currently had. That they were not bound to sin in the past or that they were not going to be bound to sin. That they're right now, they had no bondage of sin. That they were freed from sin, which then would allow them into serving God and worshiping God the way that they were supposed to do it. It's the same message that you and I need to be reminded of. Because it's a message that speaks about how we don't need to wait to future heaven for us to be able to enjoy what it's like to have peace. For us to be able to enjoy what it's to have through joy. We do not need to wait to go to heaven as to wait for some of the benefits and some of the blessings that come with our relationship with Jesus. We need to look at the gospel of Jesus as being actively present in our life today. That was a very needed reminder that these believers needed in the book of Corinthians. The second reminder we see is in the next two verses. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive. Paul is saying to you, to them, he said, hey, the, the moment I got there, I made it a purpose. I devoted myself to get to you this information, this message of the gospel. And here he's going to explain it, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. The message of the gospel 
is it has those it has those compartments or, or those uh it's make make it has those part on it where you cannot say the gospel of the message is not the gospel if you don't consider the resurrection. It's not the gospel if you don't consider the crucifixion. The gospel message is a combination of both. And what Paul is reminding them here is the reality that the message of the gospel is their most precious possession. Why? Because only through the gospel message they can, they're able to experience eternal life, only through the gospel message they can able to experience forgiveness of sin. And only through the gospel message they can able to know what abundance life is. It is their most precious possession. The reality is that they, that in a church, like, in a culture like them, it, that is similar to a culture, they were persuaded to seek for other things. They were persuaded to look for success. They were being persuaded to look for pleasure. They were persuaded to look at other ways of worshiping God. Paul needed to remind them that their most valued possession is the gospel of Jesus. If you're here today and you have put your trust in Jesus, your most valuable possession is the gospel of Jesus. That God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, for your mistakes, and that through that sacrifice and the fact that he rose three days later, you are not able to have a way of relationship with him. If you're not here today, if you're, sorry, if you're not here today. If you're here today and you have not believed in this message, know that that will be the most important message that you will ever come across with. That there will not be anything else in this life that you can come across with that will provide a way for you to find forgiveness of sin. A way for you to be able to know what abundance of life looks like. You will not be able to find any of that apart from Jesus, apart from the gospel message. And just like that was a needed reminder for them, I am certain that is a needed reminder for us today. The third reminder we see here is in the next verses. He says in verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So the context here, some of the believers were starting to question whether the crucifixion or the resurrection was real or not. Whether the event of the crucifixion and how Jesus died and then rose from the dead was a real event. So Paul addresses this by providing for them a proof that the gospel of Jesus is without question. And what way he does it is that he addresses the fact that there were more than 500 people who got to witness Jesus appearing to them. They got to see Jesus after the crucifixion, and they got to see Jesus after the resurrection. And they serve as a testimony to them that the the gospel message was true. Well, today, unfortunately, we don't have those 500 people, right? But we we do have something else. And it is the testimony of those that have put their trust in Jesus. You see, we may not have someone that saw Jesus raising from the dead, but we know from people around us, from people in this room that have placed their trust in Jesus or what it's like or what does the transforming power of Jesus, of the gospel of Jesus can do in the life of somebody. If you're here today you, and you trusted this and you believe in this message, you know who you were before the message and how you put your, plus, your trust in this message and who you are today. 
If you are here today and you do not believe this message, I'm certain that there are people in your life, whether they're in this room or not, that they have placed their trust in this message. And you know who they were before the message and who they are now because of this message. The testimony of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus proves to us that the gospel message is without question. Of the points that I'm sharing, this one hits home to me because it is part of the testimony of my parents. My parents back in the Dominican Republic, my dad was known to be an alcoholic. He dedicated his life to drink beer and to pursue, you know, his own desires. He became an avid alcoholic. Well, him and my mom got married. They started in their relationship in marriage. And my dad said that he will change but never change. He continued to get worse and worse and worse. Eventually, my mom gets pregnant with my older brother. While there, well, when she gave birth to him, they went out. To, my dad was, as a way of response to that event, he went out to celebrate. So he went out, party with his friends, kind of to celebrate, hey, I have my first son being born. Well, to his surprise, he got pulled over by a police officer, and they were able to find some substance in the car that granted him to go to jail. So they sent my dad to prison for the first year of my oldest brother's life. When my dad came out of prison, he went out, he recognized that something in his life needed to change. And the only answer that he had, or the only person that he knew that had an answer of what he should do was his old school principal. Someone that professed to him that she was a Christian. Someone who he has seen in her life what a Christian should be like. So he went ahead and he went and met with her. And when they met with each other, she shared the gospel news with my dad. Of how through Jesus he could experience forgiveness of sins but abundance of life. And how through Jesus he could now have a purpose. And how he can love his wife the way that God designed him to love his wife. So he, made, he trusted in Jesus. Well, my mom, she was not a Christian. She thought she was good enough so she never really messed with church. So eventually... She, she became like, she thought to herself, like, I, will ne- I don't need to believe in this message because, you know, I'm good enough. And then she start, something started happening. Something started brewing. She started to recognize the change in my dad's life. The man who she married was not longer the man who she was currently married. The man who used to spend night living asleep, partying, drinking, and just doing whatever he wanted. It's not the man that is now loving her, caring for her, prioritizing her. And he, all of those things led her to think or led her to the conclusion that something greater than him had to take place. And I want that. And because of my dad's testimony, because of how God transformed his life from someone that was lost and now to someone that is found, to someone that was a sinner, to someone that is now an instrument of God's glory, because of his testimony, my mom came to know Jesus as her personal Savior. You see, we may not have the 500 witnesses today, but we have the testimony of those that have put their trust in Jesus and the testimony of the transforming power of God as a proof to you and me and to anyone in this room that the gospel of Jesus is without question. There is no question that the power, that the gospel of Jesus can transform anyone's life. No matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, the gospel of Jesus has the power to transform our life for his glory. The fourth reminder that they see here, I see here is in the next verses. Verse 9, it says, 
for I am the least. Paul is talking, for I am the least of the apostle, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. The full reminder that Paul has for them is that we are undeserving of God's grace. Paul says, hey, of all the apostles, of all the leaders, I am the least one, I'm the least worthy one. I'm, the, I'm unworthy of God's grace. See, when you look at the message of the gospel, one thing we often forget is how unworthy of it we are. See, we are living in a culture right now that encourages us to think that what our privilege should be called rights. And rights are things, or, or, or yeah, what privilege, the things that we will say are privilege that we should, be, we should call them rights. And that's how we live in our culture. Some of us, when it comes to the message of the gospel, we look at it as if it is our right. That we deserve God to send his son to die on the cross for us. It was his way of showing us that he loved us. The reality is, is that God didn't need it to do, he sent his son for you and me to die on the cross. We are unworthy of this sacrifice. But that is not a negative. When we look at that and we consider that it's not a bad thing. It is a great thing. Why? Because the fact that God sent his son to God on the cross, even though he didn't have to, proved to us the kind of father and God he is. That while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. The gospel message, whether or not we deserve it, is a reminder to us that God is present, that he loves us, and that he has made a way for us, even though he didn't have to do that. The fact that we are on the serving of God's grace is not a negative. Instead, it's proved to us how much more special and important the message of the gospel is to us. The believers in Corinth needed this reminder. They needed to be reminded that the message is not something that they deserve. They, there's nothing that they could have done to, be, to make themselves this, the servant of it. Nothing. But that is the beauty of the gospel message. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The next reminder we see is in the next few verses. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted of the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary... I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Paul says, and we just talk about how he reminds them of the reality that they're not worthy of the gospel. And because he was not worthy of the gospel, the only acceptable response to that is that God was worthy of all our devotion. Paul says, I used to be a persecutor of the church. And although I deserve the wrath of God, that is not what I receive. Paul received instead the wrath of God for going after his church. Paul received the grace of God, of forgiveness, of restoration. And instead of him settling and instead of him just enjoying the blessing of that, he says, I work harder. I work harder than anyone else to do what God has called me to do. 
if you look at the life of Paul, you come to find out that Paul was someone that went out on missionary trips. You'll come to find out that Paul shared the gospel with people, that he trained believers to become leaders in the church. You come to find out that he planted church. He did all of this stuff because he recognized the kind of grace that had been shown to him. And out of gratitude, Paul deserved to show his own devotion. The thing is is that as believers, the more we believe on the message of the gospel, the, more, the, the longer we have believed in this message, the most accustomed we get to it. Where we don't consider of the message of the gospel like it's a daily thing, we look at it as something, as a decision that we make once, in, in, once uh, in a while back. We don't look at it as something that's like present in our life today. When was the last time that you stopped to consider what Jesus did for you on the cross? And if you're honest and you take apart this week, because obviously this week the, the message of the cross and the message of the gospel is going to come at you ever so often. If you take apart this week, when was the last time that you actually sat down and you thought about what Jesus did for you on the cross? And how your response to that message has been. For Paul, there was no other explanation. He realized that an overwhelming display of grace deserve an overwhelming devotion to the work of God. Paul made himself to be an instrument of God's glory. How are you and how am I, how am I doing that with God? When you look at the message of the gospel, when you look at what Jesus did for you on the cross, what are you thinking about it? What comes to mind? You see, the last few uh, the last year and the last months, the events of COVID and what has happened has encouraged people to become more complacent about their relationship with God. We become, instead of givers of, God, of the church, we have become consumers of the church. Where we come to church to hear what God has to say for us, but we don't do anything to take part on his job. We use his excuses. Sometimes they're right excuses. Sometimes they're not right excuses. But we, regardless of it, We're not taking so much part in the message or in the work of God. That what he has set forth for you and me, that what he has called you and me to do becomes more like uh, something in the back or something in the future, but not something for the present. How is the gospel message leading you to serve God today? Because if you're not serving God today, you got to change that. You see that Jesus did not die on the cross so that you will just stay still. That message that you have is the message, is the power for salvation. And God has designed you and me, if you're a Christian, to go and to share with others. Because this is the message that we believe that has the transforming power because of the forgiveness of sin. And because it has the abundance of life that you and I need. Or that anyone needs to be able to come into a relationship with Jesus. What are you doing with the message of the gospel? As we wrap things up, I want to give you time for you guys to consider the message, this, this gospel message. I'm going to give you time for you to bow your heads and to look down and to ask yourself, what are some of the reminders that you need to consider today when it comes to the gospel message? What has been something that you have taken for granted for a while now? Maybe you believe in, the, in this message 10 years ago. When you were 12, when you were 13, maybe it was last year, maybe it was in a, however long. What are some things about this message that you have taken for granted? When you look at this message of the gospel, do you look at it as something 
that you deserve or as something that you are unworthy of it. As something that God used to display his love for you. As something that God used to show you that he cares and that he's present. How have you been taking for granted this message? So go ahead. I'll give you guys some time to do that. We all agree we are individuals that we can forget things easily. We can forget birthdays. We can forget official events. We can forget our girlfriend's name, right? But let us not be the kind of people that forget what took place on the cross. Let us not be the kind of believers that know what Jesus did for us on the cross and take it for granted. May we keep this imprinted in, 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 in our minds and in our heart every single day of our life, not just during Easter season. For those of you today that you have not put your, your trust and faith in Jesus, let me encourage you, let me plead with you and beg you to really strongly consider this message. You will not come across a message more powerful, more life-transforming than the message of Jesus. The message that can bring someone who's lost to life, someone who's dead to a purpose. As you have said, lost to found, dead to life. There you go. The message of the gospel is the only way that you can find forgiveness of your sin and is the only message that you can find abundance of life. If you have not trusted in this message, if you have not believed in this message, please do not live today without considering it. I will be here in the front and there are other pastors in the room that you can talk to. But please do not leave without talking with someone about this message. It is the most important thing that you will come across. For the believers... Let us be reminded of the gospel and let us live a life that is worthy of the gospel every single day of our life, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's a holiday, or not just when we just happen to remember. Let's make this a part of our daily life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to come to church. Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross and thank you for the sacrifice, Lord, how we didn't deserve this, but yet while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And Father, I pray that we will live our life in light of this. If there's anyone here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that you would show them, Lord, that you would press them in their heart the reality that they desperately need to believe in your message, Lord. For those of us that have believed in this message, Lord, we will never forget what, to, what kind of sacrifice and what took place for us to be able to ha- call you a father. I pray, Lord, that we will help us to do well this week. And as we continue to remember your sacrifice, Lord, that we will do it in a way that is honoring and glorifying of you, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen.